Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 25, quarter of a century of podcasts, uh, of the Case and Better Every Day podcast. Today, I am joined by the only person to appear on the podcast three times. This is his third, Gareth Fox. Gareth, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Now, the reason Gareth is back is because we just tend to have really fucking interesting conversations. At least I perceive them as interesting, and they have tended to be for those of you that have reached out to myself or to Gareth for that matter uh, it seems to be the episode that gets mentioned uh, over and over again both our first episode uh, on the second one tends to be referenced by people that reach out normally people are interested in quite in-depth training stuff technical stuff but the conversations that tend to garner the most attention on questions are these questions that are these uh, conversations that tend to be a wee bit deeper into more of the subtleties around training, around psychology, uh, and around some of the things that are probably not discussed that often. Uh, Gareth, you think that would be fair that they're not discussed? Um, they are teased, I think. I think the best way to say it is kind of teased, especially through social media, you know, where things are kind of teased and people connect with them, but then there's not a lot of substance on, on how they're sort of publicized so people are intrigued and then they're kind of asking themselves well what, what does this mean and, and what can I do with it and then I think when we talk about it it just gives them a little bit more understanding of what the, the principles of, of of what we've been talking about kind of yeah mean. absolutely uh, I, I find out myself that probably I'm thinking back to like four or five even probably eight nine ten years ago when I was interested in these sort of elements because maybe i got into like and then really most of the stuff and a lot of the listeners are looking at, at these conversations through the lens of like an athlete performer usually ga that tends to be like a lot of uh, the guys that are listening uh, and the girls are either trying to make positive changes in their lifestyle uh whether to train and nutrition or they're in a category of uh athlete that is looking to improve their performance in some way shape or form uh, and that's probably probably this episode's maybe a wee bit more towards the, the athlete end, uh, maybe a, a smidge uh, just by, by a fraction. Uh, but I would have certainly have found these sort of conversations really, really interesting like eight, nine, ten years ago because it wasn't something i seen a lot. I was fascinated by conversations of people who were fixated on performances and different opinions on what what things are required for optimal performance how do you achieve optimal performance what what things should you do should you not do uh, and yeah just it, it, it not getting those like searching out for those conversations initially I, I had a real thirst for them but i couldn't really find them uh, and it was probably one of the reasons that you came on the podcast in the first case is because when we had our first conversation i was like yeah that was there was value in that that other people that were in a similar position to myself could take uh, hence why podcasting we're just you're being a fly on the wall and listening in on some, some interesting conversations between two people yeah look it's it might be a little bit biased towards sports or towards athletes but it's all transferable as well because everything that I do I think is more lifestyle than 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 sports performance if we're talking about sports performance well we're going to talk about lifestyle you know because it plays such a big big role in it so even if you're you're not an athlete or you're not doing anything that's competitive. Hopefully chances are that there are still takeaways that, that you can take from, from the conversation and, and, you know, apply into your everyday life because I think, and that's, that's something that we've, we've talked about quite often. Um, when we talk about podcasts or social media or anything like that, you know, how can you make things, things tangible? How can you, you, you actually take stuff away from it? Because we both read, I think we both read very similar books. We both read quite a lot of books, but sometimes when you're reading books, you get a list of how-tos, but it's really difficult to know what to do with it. I don't know if you find that. You know, I've I've read loads of books. My upstairs, like about four years ago, my my reading habits completely changed. I went from reading classics because I was looking to be a writer to to reading self-help and self-development books. And I've got such a a, a pile of them now. But were they the things that that made the biggest differences in, in my life? To be honest, no. They, they kind of set me on a bit of a path. Yeah. To then be directed to people 
if you know what I mean. I'm, for lack of a better term, when I think of like South of Ireland books uh, and, and books fixated on performance or improving yourself in general, I always think of them as like fire lighters, uh, not to physically use them to light your fire, but uh, some of them would be more useful as fire lighters. Uh, but as things to instigate, as things to spark off some ideas so you can go away and have conversations to find out what the tangible steps might be. And then I always caveat the same people, the normal uh, counter to that would be, well, like, I don't feel like I have somebody to have those conversations with. And my follow-up was always, well, then have the conversation with yourself, journal, write, open a Word document and just start typing everything that you think about this idea, what you think's right about it, what you think's wrong about it, how you think it might work for you, what things you might think might not work for you about it and have that conversation even if it's only yourself it'll be infinitely better if you can have it with somebody else who's on a similar path of trying to make some simple positive changes for themselves but if you can first take and gather the ideas i always think of books and podcasts in general for the most part of like listening to different people as just as a bank of different ideas so that when i go to a conversation I have like there's a there's a pool of resources that we could kind of we can pull on different threads we can go down different avenues and that only really became clear for me when I started doing the podcast because suddenly I found when I was having a conversation with someone that matched one thing my brain suddenly fired up a, a reference to one particular book that covered a similar thing or one particular book or one particular podcast that said something else and anyone listens will know that I do that quite often where I'm like oh that's like kind of what uh, this author says about this or this person says about this but I rarely have read a book and went, yeah, this is it. This is the game plan. This is the strategy for me to go away with. So I think that's been, hopefully we can maybe lay out some things that are a bit more tangible for someone listening to this. Yeah. Like um, I, I quite often get people ask me what podcasts you listen to and what books you're reading. And fair enough, I'm, I'm always going to share, but then my follow-up to that is what, what are you going to do about it? You know, what are you actually going to do about reading that book? Or what are you going to do about, about listening to that podcast? Are you just consuming more and more podcasts? Or are you actually taking steps to then do something with information? Like every podcast kind of gets a bit annoying maybe after a while. I, I don't listen to podcasts in the car anymore. I used to. Like, and I, I drive quite regularly now to, to Derry where, where I work. Um, and I'm just listening to the GPS because I have such... Um, uh, maybe it's not a thirst for knowledge, but uh, a desire to get writing notes. And so I, I can't listen to the podcast anymore because it's like, I, I want to write notes and I can't stop the car or do it in a voice recorder on my phone or anything like that. So, because I always want to consume the information and then go and take action on it. But I think a lot of people just consume the information and then that's that done. What's the next podcast? What's the next series of podcasts? Who am I listening to? Fair enough. Okay, you've listened to all those podcasts, but what actual tangible tangible steps are you doing with the information that you're consuming? Yeah, there's there's an interesting thing that myself and Connor O'Neill of No Shot Performance talk about uh, on this, and it's a uh, there are times when what you need to do is address gaps in knowledge and learn uh, and pick up as much information as possible and reach that saturation point uh, mentally. But then there are other times, and it probably should be more of the time, where you should be focused on implementing and taking action uh, on most of it. And if you're absolutely clueless about what to do, that's a good sign that maybe consuming some information might get you on the right, uh, might get you on the on the right path. But if you feel like your your brain is saturated with different things that you that you need to do, the answer isn't going to be to consume more information uh, and overflow further. The answer is going to be pick something like pick one thing to do try it out do it badly uh, assess whether it worked or whether it didn't what worked about it like keep what didn't discard and execute that process like ruthlessly there are there like i'm a huge advocate for anyone to get into listening to more sort of like self-development podcasts and for reading more but this is the other side of the conversation of okay where do we draw the line how can we make sure that this isn't just consuming for consumption's sake? And how do we make sure that you actually go away? And for me, it's always viewed through the lines of what is the minimum small thing I can do from this that's going to be the like the minimum effective dose? If I can take a tiny like like and we took myself and Connor talking about this. Okay, can I take one thing from that book? One thing and just go away and implement it. Like forget trying to go through chapter by chapter and like make copious notes on everything. 
what's the one thing? Because if I pick up a book for 10, 15 quid and I get one thing that I can sort of implement into my daily routine or my weekly routine for the next 10 years, that book will pay for itself 10 times over in terms of either potentially financially if it's a sort of a tangible business book or but more so in the in the benefit that I feel from an enjoyment standpoint, from a progress standpoint in my life, whatever I'm pursuing. Yeah, completely. Absolutely. That's that's it. It's about learning that's a skill in itself though is, is to go in and take action taking action is a bit of a skill that you know because i could read books all day but that's just a comfort thing you know it's just very comfortable to read books yeah you feel like you're it, it's almost giving you a, a sense of progress that's a, like with the longer you do it the more that becomes a false sense of progress because there is always a progress that to learn and to, to consume in, but consume with intent like I think yeah. that's the, the main thing I would say if you are going to be going down trying to consume more things I normally when when I tell someone that they need to consume is when the point where they're like I have no idea what direction to go in and I have I think because in different podcasts I've discussed the fact that I had like was doing engineering had no idea what I wanted to do and was just like so disillusioned with the idea of getting going into a graduate job and then sort of find coaching and that sort of whole journey, I get quite a lot of questions. People say, like, I'm, I'm doing this uh, and I'm like, I'd really love to like just be not doing this, but I have no idea what else. And I'm like, this is the point for you need to read, listen to as much things and take in as many different ideas so that you can like basically cast a wide net and find the ideas that really are like really grab you, that make you like, like well, the ideas that you're enthusiastic about. Uh, and I said this on a previous podcast a few uh, a few weeks ago, but I'm going to say it here because no Gareth will appreciate it. I heard it somewhere that the, the the word enthusiasm or enthusiastic, the the root of that word. Now I don't know if it was Greek or Latin, but the root was something enthusi. But you maybe you're more of a linguist than me. But the enthusia enthus enthusiasm or enthusia part of it was to be inspired by, and then the the astic was was God. So the the root I don't I've probably spelled that up wrong, but the root of the word was to be inspired by God or some divine higher power, and I find that and the reason I'm saying it is I find that so interesting that the things you're interested in, excited about, enthusiastic about, are normally fairly unique to you. Like there, you can't choose that to a large degree. There's just something in you that is just curious about that. So if you can cast a wide net, consume a lot of information, and start suddenly land on the things that are really interesting to you. The more you can go down that sort of like that can then lead your decisions of consuming more information along that sort of line of thinking or in that sort of area. And then that'll allow you a little bit of clarity in terms of what might be a tangible step for me to take. Look, and this this all links in perfectly to that sort of big broad word that we we came in to today's conversation with. For anyone listening, we just had a word that we were like, let's maybe look at this and see where it goes. There was no sort of set sort of questions or structure to it but that links into that word retirement because you were let's say you were working towards becoming an engineer and then you said you found coaching or did coaching find you or you know that type of thing but what allowed you then to to follow that up what gave you the the, the courage i suppose would be a, a good word to use to, to go and follow that up because if we look at it with regards retirement now we're coming to the the end of championship football there's a lot of people that have been knocked out a lot of people question themselves and this is within the GAA do I continue for another year or do I not and then a lot of those decisions are going to be yeah I'll continue for another year because there is no enthusiasm for something else yeah and, and like probably we'll I'll, I'll circle back to to the GAA uh, retirement but I think it becomes very difficult for anybody to retire from anything now and I've, i never really i never viewed me stopping engineering through the lens of i retired from it uh, as funny as it is because it, i suppose i never started i was getting qualified but i had started the, my apprenticeship uh by, by by studying in it but in, in a way i did i retired that stage of my life i retired that idea that this was going to be a path i was going down i was going to go to choose a different path and the normal thing that everyone experiences when they know they're disheartened with something when they know they're not really engaged with it that it's not what is 
that it's not something that's giving them energy. It's something that's detracting and taking energy from them is the fear of, is this the right decision? Am I risking like, I do, and then secondly, I have to start again. I have to start from the bottom because now I have a sunk cost of X amount of years, X amount of time putting into this. And there are all the risks associated with, will, will I, like if I step away from this, will I like, what, what's going to happen? Uh, and that's the same, whether it was the engineering or whether it was the GAA. Now, my, like there's the reason that I was probably in a position uh, to step away from the engineering was because I, I was probably, I think if I got another two years into engineering, I don't know if I would have found it in myself to stop. I think I would have just been in the, in the wheel of things. Now that may be not be the case. I was at a stage of my life at the last year of my, at the last year of my degree, been, been on the placement year, hated it, but still went back for my final year. I actually accepted a job to go back to the placement because they'd offered me a salary. I think it's like 21,000 pound a year. And I got paid like 15,000 pound a year for my uh, placement year, which is absolute uh, tuppence when you're <laughs> driving to Kilkeel from Lurgan. Uh, every day for an hour and a half and then driving my back home for an hour and a half every day uh, and I was just like yeah right well then I'll just get in there and I'll work myself up I don't want to hate it like but maybe in four or five years I'll be in a position of doing something that I actually really enjoy uh, and I was in final year and during final year for like for those who don't know my younger brother passed away and that was a very like obviously that's a very significant stage moment and period of time in my life and really what i came away with was fuck this like i'm not here to spend my days doing something that i don't feel is going to be my purpose or that i'm going to be able to have give 100 to that i'm going to enjoy my days and feel like i'm providing value to people like that gave me a kick up the hole where i was like listen like memento mori like like see like you you only get one life like you you need to do something with this and this was probably in the frame of mind of i was probably still young was pretty naive i was in a position where like i was still living at home i think it was maybe living down university i got a part-time job at a cafe uh, and myself and connor lived the the life of of, of artists <laughs> so we did a life of artists and writers where we spent our time serving coffees and then we went home we read books we talked about ideas that were interesting we played around with stuff he started uh, an art business doing sort of like very detailed sketches and portraits i started a blog called 80 and 15 uh, that like allowed me to play around with some interesting ideas and then one of as with along with casting a wide net playing around with a load of stuff i realized that the thing i was always interested in was training was development was helping people make like simple changes i was fascinated with changing myself for the better and then i was like well, look if i'm a coach i can i can do that for others so that then just became how I just a thread that I pulled on for the last eight years. The caveat to all that is had my young had my brother not passed away, would I have got to that critical point of realization? And I honestly don't feel like I would, or at least it would have took me a few years to. I don't know what, what your thoughts on that are. I feel like it's something it takes a certain amount of pain normally to drive people into action. Well that's that's my my follow-up question to you would have been was what about someone who hasn't experienced something as significant as that, who's now sitting here and thinking to themselves, and it, it, it's going to come across as strange, but look, I I, I don't want to say I, I don't have the fortune because it's not that at all, but it's like, I don't have that in my life to give me that kick up the ass. So yeah. therefore, I, I can't go and do that. And there are people who have had huge events in their life that's allowed them to reframe where it is that they're going that's allowed them to reframe and understand that like you said you only have one life so let's do the thing that you want to do but there are people kind of waiting on that significant event to give them the the, the reframe yeah and, and no. i, I want to just sorry to but i wanted to ask was what allowed you then to close the lens um in and around coaching the like the, the first question in terms of what would have said to somebody like i don't think i've had a conversation with anyone that has made that jump and dove into doing something that they really loved and had a crack at it that has regretted it now whether or not 
all of them could be sort of called as a success is like it's down to that, that person themselves whether they had a crack at it and it didn't turn out the way they wanted to and they returned what i would say is how do you minimize your risk how do you minimize the the risk exposure so that you can take that step in a way that allows you to bridge it like if you are if you are in a position where you maybe have a mortgage to pay and the job is paying the wages or the paying the bills and all of those things then it's about right well you work 40 hours a week it's like right well there's a lot more hours in the week if there is, this is something you want to do then is there a way you can use that time to learn to build something that allows you to then make a more calculated risk to take a step across but i think viewing it there's very few people that are in a position to just jump and change immediately that takes quite a lot so my like my message to those people is normally make the step smaller make it that I don't have to fucking quit my job tomorrow and start something. I just need to look into what I might want to do now. And can I do that in my spare time? What does that look like? If I only have 10 hours a week dedicated to it, what might it look like? And then it's very easy to say, to, to start with that idea and very gradually scale it up, scale it up, scale it up to the, to the point where you feel like, oh, do you know what? Now this is actually a viable, real thing that if I quit my job here and move, make the move across and then supplement it by getting a little part-time job on a Saturday and a Sunday, like in the bar, this is actually going to keep me sustained. For the first six months that I was coaching people, I was also working in the cafe and I was tutoring uh, as well, which became difficult because people want to tutor and pair personal training at the same time. Uh, but I was trying to do all three until the point that the coaching was able to support me financially. And then at that point, it was like, no. Nah. And then when, when, when you talk to people, they're like, oh, it's like class, like you just jumped in and you done it. And it's like, no, nah, there was a year where it was awful and I paid myself nothing. And like, I just sort of like scraped by and then I kind of gathered myself up. From the, when you asked the question about what things allowed me to kind of land on coaching, the first thing is consuming as many consumption in as much, in as much quantity that I could and as much quality that I could about the things and the people and the conversations and topics that I was interested in. And then secondly, having as many conversations about that as possible, both journal written and one-to-one -one conversations myself and conversations mainly with Connor O'Neill. And that's why you hear me referencing Connor. Uh, I had literally I'm supposed to call Connor for like 45 minutes a day. We were on the phone for an hour and a half because we have a weekly meeting. And one of the things we do is we just have, we just, and like we'll ask ourselves like, what are you thinking about this week? What's interesting to you? Like what's, what's going well, what's not going as well, why do you think it? And we'll kind of bat the ideas around. But during this critical time where I was making that decision, Connor and myself also lived together in Belfast. So we were spending most of our time talking about this. And like the last year, it's like, don't get me wrong, I still went out and stuff. But most of my day-to-day, -day, Connor doesn't drink. So like I, I was probably going out less because it was Connor was in the house. I was like, I'll sit in like, well, just, I don't really want to go out. I didn't feel pressure to. So we were having these conversations and it just... The more and more that we had these conversations, it was like somebody bringing a lens of a camera into focus and into focus. And it suddenly it was almost like a light bulb moment. We're like, oh, this is what I want to do. And funnily, Connor started off art. I started off with a blog and we both landed on coaching, strangely. Yeah, like even my, myself, that's similar. Like I, I work, a big part of what I do is uh, life coaching. Don't get me wrong. I, I work an awful lot with uh, athletes as well. But um, I work in, in life coaching and people come and they get in contact with regards career. It's one of the big ones that people come because it has such a big impact on their personal life and how they show up as, as parents and how they show up as family members and partners and things like that. Whatever's happening in your day at work, you bring back with you. And so they understand that, look, work's making me stress, work's making me angry, work's making me this, whatever. I need to change my job. And there, there is that, and again, things like Instagram lead to the perception that things are done overnight. You know, it's a flick of a switch and now you're in a new job and life is brilliant. But that's frightening. That's absolutely frightening for people if they believe that it happens overnight and no one's going to step out and, and, and do it because there's huge risk to it. Number, number one, huge risk. Number two is they probably have responsibilities. You know, responsibilities for, for payments, for mortgages, for cars, for family members, for putting food on the table. And it's like you said, my, my advice to people is always small steps. There is, we, we do talk about a cutoff point. You know, the, there will eventually be the day that you hand in your resignation. So you have to understand that and have that 
insight. But until that day, everything that that the free time that you can allocate to it is working towards putting yourself in the, in a position that once you hit that cutoff point, that other things there. So you have put the the security in place. We're always as a species looking for security. So build build the security. You know, build it like myself as well. I was a teacher, a teacher and a writer. I didn't become a, a performance psychologist overnight. It wasn't, I just didn't jump from one job to the next. I realized that that's what I wanted to do because I was doing a lot of work with a coach and then studied uh, while doing other jobs. Um, and doing a degree in performance psychology isn't um, cheap. So I knew that I was taking a big financial hit, but I, I studied, I um, continued with the job that I was doing that, that wasn't fulfilling. And I did it as long as I needed to uh, until I knew that I could step out from under that that security and that financial safety and go, I'm, I'm going to run this by myself now. You know, I'm going to transfer into the, the coaching, the, the the psychology part of it. But like sometimes, and it's as you said, that's that's why I asked you the, the question of um, how are you able to sort of tighten that lens in and around coaching? I, I did this little thing that I love uh that i call the cement mixer i don't know if i've ever talked to you about it before but it's all about people people think of job titles and they go right that's what i'm going to be i'm going to be a doctor i'm going to be a uh, an engineer i'm going to be a this i'm going to be a that you, you should never think of a job title you should think of the the raw materials that make up the job allow the title to take care of itself but just think of the raw materials so when i talk about a cement mixer it's you throw in your your sand and your water and your your cement mix and whatever and, and see what comes out. So if you're breaking it down, what do you want to do? So that could be something simple like, you know, I want to work as part of a team. I want to work in an office. I want to work in this. I want to work in that. I want my job to contain this. I want to be able to make that amount of salary. I want to be my own boss. I want to work from anywhere in the world. I want to whatever, whatever. But those are just raw materials. Let's keep thinking about them. Let's keep meditating on them. And for me, I actually physically meditated on them, as in I would have my list of raw materials and on the other side of the page, I would have a list of things that I wanted to feel on a on a daily basis at work. You know, I wanted to feel curious. That was one of my big words. So it had to require me being in a job that was forever changing and forever updating because of the stance that was coming out with regards to that. So I would sit down and I would listen to, to meditative music and I would think of those things and just little by little over the course of a week, two weeks, three weeks, the picture, so the raw material started to, to create an image of this thing. And then after that image was fully sort of formed, I went, oh, that's coaching. Oh, that's what that is. Instead of going, oh, I want to be a coach. Yeah. It was just, I want these things. I want to be able to research. I want to be able to talk with people to to empower people, to, to have a contribution, to add value. Those were my go-to words. It wasn't... I want to be a, a coach or a psychologist. I never thought of that at all. It just so happened that that's what was the name that I was able to put on the final picture. And then once that name was there, I was like, okay, so what do I need to do? Oh, I need to go and study. Okay, let's go and study. Yeah, now there's 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 a lot to be said for that. And it's something that a lot of people, like people talk about, oh, I want to be a coach. I want to be an online coach. And they're like, and it's maybe because there's a lot of people on Instagram sort of posting that they're sitting in a cafe, they're doing a gym session at three o'clock in the day. Like I'll, I'll hold my hand up and guilty of, of all of the above, but their perception of what that looks like. It's like, well, like what do you know what the day looks like? Not a TikToker day in, day in the life of, but do you know what an actual day is? Do you know what, what the work will actually look like? It's very, like the the upsides of it. It's very flexible. You get to have great relationships with people. Uh, you can spend your time actually helping people and seeing the progress in your life. But there are downsides. Like any job, anything, there's trade-offs. There's always going to be trade-offs. Like online coaching, very secluded for the most part. You're like team of one working on, like on your own, on your laptop. Yes, you're having sort of interactions with people. But whether you're in the office, whether you're in the house, whether you're in a cafe, it's, it's isolated work. Yeah, so like that is the that's one that's one drawback. If you're someone who prefers to be in a group of people, prefers to be in an office, prefers to be a buzz, and then it's like, right, well, no, I want to be in person, personal trainer. It's like, okay, do you want the day of an in-person personal trainer? Do you want to get up at half five to take a six o'clock session, work through to about ten o'clock, then take the rest of your day at your sort of leisure, and then come back into the gym at four o'clock, work through to to eight, nine, ten. 
and people are like, oh no, I don't, I don't really want that. I want to see my children in the evening. I want to do this. I want to do that. It's like, well, these are just the realities of being a coach. And one of the realities and the reason why I'm like an online coach now, as opposed to an in-person coach, is because I started one to see people that got a little bit better approach when they stopped fixating on training and start looking at the whole picture. But two, I personally wanted to be a bit more selfish with my evenings and with my free time so that like I actually made this decision sort of prior to getting into a relationship uh, and I sort of found actually when I when I made that time I ended up finding somebody and I was like Jesus I'm really glad I started making that time because the worst thing in the world would have been if I found this like great amazing person and suddenly it's like oh well when are you friends like I work nine to five and you're like oh well I work six to ten in the morning and then four to ten at night like okay now we like there is no room for us to actually see each other so a big thing for me was just if i'm a coach now then my day looks like this now the downsides are that it is a little bit more secluded uh, for an extrovert like me you need to have something like a podcast to make sure you're sort of timing in conversations for the week but do you want what that day looks like what is a day like talk if you're looking at something say i really love to do that Talk to someone that does that and be like, well, what does it actually look like? Like, how, how is the sausage made? Like, day to day, what are you doing? And I had a conversation because I have spent a long time talking, uh, like learning about different things around marketing and sales. Uh, and someone posted me, like, are you going to be like, you're in Dubai, you want to get into the real estate, you're going to do like real estate. And something about it was actually really attractive to me where I was like, I actually, I have spent a long time learning about marketing, learning about sales, learning about business that might be an area where I'll actually sort of play it. And it was in a conversation with Connor when I was looking at, and I haven't necessarily thrown the idea out completely, but he was sort of asking questions. He's like, what does it actually look like? He's like, is your perception of what that is, what it's actually going to be? Or is it going to be, is there going to be a lot of unforeseen things uh, alongside of that? Is is your perception of that job or that rules? So this is me even now after having having this conversation myself, that it's just almost something you have to remind yourself when you're setting yourself something to move towards or you really want to do that. It's like, go talk to people that do that and ask them in as honest a way as possible. What does that look like? Like, what are the downsides of it? What's the upsides of it? But more importantly, what are the downsides and what are the trade-offs you've had to make and what does your day look like? Because if you get a sense of that, then you can start and like, how long did that take for you to build up and what did you have to do to build it up? So those are the things that I like to try and get people to sort of think about with with, with this sort of stuff in mind. Yeah, look, the, that's that's it completely. It's not the title that's attractive. It's it's what it's made up of, and if that's what attracts you, then then definitely go and do it. But if it's the title of the thing, again, I I I seem to to get a lot of um, younger clients looking to start coaching online coaching and, and PTing and when when you get down to the nitty-gritty and, and we talk about it and we talk about the guts of the, the actual profession they're like I, I love going to the gym you're like look, look it's not the same thing you know yeah. you have <laughs> so then we we break that down for any any young coach sort of listening what we do is we break that down and we talk about what are the skills that you now need well, I don't know, uh, maybe to, to to create a good program for them. Yeah, that, that's part part and parcel of it. But we also need to communicate. You need to improve how you communicate with people. You have to take on the responsibility of being responsible for someone's progress to a certain extent. Now, everyone obviously is responsible for their own, but you know you have to be willing to, to take that on board. And, and so we 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 break it away way down to all the the little details that that the thing actually involves and requires and and where they need to themselves go out and improve on you know you like i said communication is a big one so oh but i'm, I'm not great at communicating well you're going to have to you're going to have to get better at that yeah and the, probably one of the main ones that you see is like oh, i don't really want to have to i don't want to be I don't really not comfortable posting on social media like I'm a coach and stuff. And when a when a coach tells me like I'm not comfortable posting on social media, I'm like, yeah, like obviously you're not you're not like that's that's completely fine. Now there's an element of well, you might find a modality that can deliver you a sustainable business. Like you might write articles and be the exception uh, that the person that is can write articles and can gain a viable coaching business from writing articles. You might be the exception. But the odds are you're going to have to get comfortable on video. You're going to have to be get comfortable showing up on social media day in, day out because you'll have an audience of people. And 
you're really just trying to develop like fundamental awareness that when like I want those that followed me and are engaged with me, when they think of coach, I want them to think of me. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to do when I'm talking about stuff. It's not that like I, people are like, oh, he's saying the fucking same thing every day. I'm like, yeah, I'm saying the same five things over and over again in different ways. If anyone hasn't noticed, it all times it comes back to the same sort of four or five principles. But I need to show up every day and execute them, try and put them across in as engaging, as entertaining, as informative a way, and as a digestible and tangible way. So that as a business, for people to kind of gradually build up a little bit of trust for me to the point where they're like, no, I actually think that would be the person to give me a hand. And then they reach out and then I help them. And like when people talk about like coaching and stuff, a lot of people give them, like everyone gives away free content uh, on Instagram and tries to help people. As a business, that normally functions as a way to generate like leads for them as weird as that is the sound. And that maybe can sound a wee bit sort of like sketchy to some people. It's like, no, it's like you get to sample all of the free shit so that you can see, is it worthwhile to pay for this service? Uh, so that, that's kind of the other side of like when people talk about coaching and they're like, I don't really like posting or I'm not really posting. I'm like, well, this is going to be something you're just going to have to be willing to accept if that's what you want to do. Uh, and it's all just about managing trade-offs and deciding like you, you may then to get into it and say you want to retire. Not nothing is forever. And I am a big believer that like I'll probably not be a coach in ten years. I might not be a coach in five years. I don't know, but I don't know what I'll be doing. Uh, and I like to have that option. I don't see myself as I'm going to be a coach for the next fifty years. I like I like to see it as a no. I'm going to operate as close to the edge of my sort of zone of proximal development and learn as much as possible and take on interesting challenges. And that may be that there's a possibility that could be coaching for the next 40 years just in slightly different formats but i actually don't think it will be i think it'll be some next evolution and i'll get to that stage where i'm very comfortable and very secure in the coaching business because it's a safe place and i've built up a reputation and i'm going to have to make that next step where of that that little bit of discomfort to move into this next thing and that's something i've been spending quite a lot of time thinking about well what's what's going to guide you on that then for me, and this is again, like I said, uh, had, a, had an hour and forty minute conversation with Connor uh, O'Neill today. That was a big chunk of the conversation we were talking about about what does the next evolution uh, of my business, of me uh, as a person, look like over the next few years. And that started with the conversation around like, is is the real estate thing like is that is that something to try out? And it doesn't sit with me a hundred percent at the moment. But one of the things that sort of landed on was. Like the things that I love doing, it's like I love having conversations, hence the podcast. I love having interesting conversations. As weird as it sounds, I love the the sort of art of conversations and even sales. As some people really like hate that, but when the more you get into actually talking about sales, it's like if you ha- if you're selling a valuable product, sales is uh, very ethical. If you're selling shitty shit, it's unethical. But when you have something that is a, creating a lot of value, the ability to express that and communicate that value and then like to help a person and for them to feel like that was really fucking valuable for them. I love that. I love that whole process from the first time someone reaches out till their last ever check in with me. And that nearly that entire thing is a sales conversation that in my, in my view, I love talking in front of groups. I, the, the three or four experiences in my life where I felt like I was in sheer flow state operating right on the edge of my ability were all instances of talking in front of a crowd of probably all of them more than 50 some of them more than like 150 to 200 so those are the things that i'm trying to use to guide my decision of i'll actually i'm going to go away and do your cement mixer challenge and one of the things that i'm probably going to start doing over here is a bit more public speaking uh, and get into more sort of like into more businesses and doing more public speaking not initially because I think it's very financially lucrative. I feel like I'll be doing it for free for a long time initially, but it because there are experiences that I really want, then I really want to do that. So that's probably going to be the next iteration for me of operating in a zone where I'm probably a little not as competent as I need to be, and I need to learn a lot, and I need to let, spend a lot of time developing. But that's for me what the process looks like: consuming a lot of information talking to people who like and clarifying the ideas and then talking to people who are doing that already and getting to grips with the, the realities of what that actually looks like. Yeah. Like the reason, the reason why I ask, and it's, it's not at all. I know we, we, we had sort of a broad term for, for the podcast and it's not at all that I'm trying to take it back because I, I, to be honest, we'd say it, let's, let's just 
let this be organic. I don't really care where it goes because I think yeah. there's, there's absolute value. But people who are retiring, whether it's from work or from sport, they're faced with that same question. What's the next level of of, of evolution for you? And that's why I'm asking you, how how do you, this is Gareth becoming the, the, the coach here again, you know, <laughs> how do you make that decision on what's right for you? Because let's say um, I've just finished my season with my team and I'm of a certain age, and not even of a certain age, because you, you've, Shall we say that you've retired? Is is that not a definite statement? Uh, from uh, yeah, from, from uh, yeah, well, for the foreseeable, yeah, pretty much retired, yeah, yeah. Like let's say we'll use that as a definite statement. I never used it as a definite statement for me because it came when I was nineteen, right? You know? So never it felt never, real. It 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 wasn't something, and then suddenly back within sport this year, um, and within a couple of teams and being on the training pitch and. Just going, oh, I, I don't do this anymore. Wow. That's, <laughs> you, know, you see things happening, you're going, I know how to do that. Or you see little spaces or pockets where players can do things. You're like, well, I know how to do that. So, oh, you're retired. And I think I've kind of felt it a bit more now because I've been back and involved with it. Whereas previously, it was just pushed to another side of my life and I didn't really go to it at all. Now, I would always have dreams about Gaelic, more so right. Gaelic soccer, because... I'm I'm not at all trying to be one of those guys that says, oh, I could have been a good player. But I do feel like um, that side of the story of my life never came to a proper conclusion. I never exhausted what it was supposed to be. If you know what yeah. I mean? It might have just been sitting on a bench for four years and just training week in, week out and being part of something that was moving forward. So I never fully exhausted it. So I was I was always dreaming about situations and environments and you know and what would happen if this and waking up in the morning going, okay, no, maybe I should go back, move back to Ireland from France and <laughs> again. So I never had that um kind of closure to it. But yes, I just almost lost my train of thought there. There there are there are people who are now sitting going, right, should I get back? What should I do? And then they're they're confused about what the next step is and as you've just said you do need to sit and work out what makes you tick and what makes you you and what sort of gives you enthusiasm or excitement on a day-to-day basis because you will have to replace sport you mightn't have to replace sport as such but you will have to replace your playing role within it and the big question is, well, how? And I know that Dan Carter spoke about this on the, um, the High Performance Podcast. He talked about a six-month process that he had with, I can't remember who it was, on repurposing. Yeah, remember hearing yeah. this. Now, what he did say, and I, I, I'd written actually down here notes to, to, to quiz you about, because you said about going from engineering into coaching and it was starting from, from fresh, he did talk about the fact that what his coach, his repurposing coach talked about was the idea of transferable skills. Like, have you ever looked at engineering and, and, and saw any transferable skills? Transferable skills from engineering to coaching? Yeah. Now, not necessarily skills, but like engineering's present in, in Kaizen. The reason the business is called Kaizen is because Kaizen process of like continuous and gradual improvements was improvement was made famous by Toyota that they implemented this I think in the 80s maybe early 90s and this they implemented this as like a lean engineering process of looking at the processes that they had how could they make them faster more efficient more effective uh, and like the company that I was in that made airplane seats they used to take about five hours per sort of set of three seats like as you see them in a plane uh, and or maybe maybe it was three hours, whatever it was. But with taking it and taking the process and breaking it down, and saying right, this, is, this guy puts a screw in here, and then it changes table and goes in a thing here. And by taking it's like right, okay, how do we make this go a little bit faster? So they put it on rails and like a U cell, so that the starts on rails and one person does one, goes to the next one, and then they went really really deep in terms of right, well, what does this person at this specific like at this specific point of the process and the assembly line do? It's like, well, they take two screws from here 
they use this bolt and put it in here and then they put this bolt in. And they're like, no, let's have two people. So let's split that up. So this person is putting this bolt in with his right hand. Those bolts are in his left hand. So the, bo the boxes of bolts should be on his left hand. His, his tool should be in his right hand and it's all marked out. And then the thing, and then when he's done with that, he should slide it along instead of trying to change tools. So suddenly a sink went from make, taking around three hours to taking coming off the line every seven minutes. So that broke down this entire process. And as much as I didn't like the technicalities and the realities of what day-to-day -day engineering looked like, that process of casing and taking something and breaking it down to very small, tangible steps to move you from a to a very significant place, that was like the most important thing about my entire philosophy of coaching was garnered from my time in engineering doing a job that I absolutely hated. It was also working with people, being an adult, realizing about responsibilities and doing small different things. But that was like the biggest thing and the biggest thing that is common through everything that I do in coaching. Came I came to that realization through engineering, something that I absolutely hated. Yeah, that's it's that's really valuable. Like you're, for want of a better word, then a, a, a body engineer. Yeah, body body engineer like that. You know, but the, the reason why I'm asking you is because when when you say look it, it felt like starting from scratch it never is it never is for anyone who wants to um to to make a change you're never really starting from scratch because if you feel like that then you're giving up so much valuable information that that you've already consumed and now you're looking at it you 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 can see what it was that you learned from engineering and, and from from Kaizen, the, the principles of Kaizen, and are now able to then transfer it. Obviously, you have to learn a new skill set, but you've already got a, a very good basis or a background in something else that you can transfer over. That was part of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the conversation that I was having today in that for the best part of the last eight years, I've been fascinated by self-development, but a big chunk of that has been in business, like in particular marketing and sales. I've spent a lot of time reading and consuming material and that and learning small things that are very effective uh, when you're marketing and selling effectively and ethically and that was probably one of the biggest things that i had the conversation about like well if i was playing with this the real estate idea and i'm like that is like a primarily primarily a selling career uh, it's a it's a career based off like your success is based off your ability to sell uh, and one of the things i was like oh well most people are saying that you know what, your first six months is really, really tough in a sales-based, like commission-based job because you only get really paid commissions on a really basic salary. And I was like, yeah, well, that's, well, that makes sense because the, the, the skill of selling takes a long time to develop. And that's a really hard, and I'm like, I wouldn't be going in with nothing. I'd be going in from years of having my own business and having like my business literally being dependent on my financial stability being dependent on my ability to sell myself day in day out on social media and conversations whatever it is it's like i'm not going in there with a no ability to sell and i'm going in there with like probably nine eight nine years of consistently selling uh like a consistent selling experiences so absolutely like i think whatever and that makes that that's another thing that sort of mitigates that risk and makes it view like it's not as big of a jump when you've when you can address those when you can look at the gaps of where you are now to where you want to be and then really look at every when you can understand the your cement mixer analogy of what is it actually going to require and you can see the gaps in your knowledge and you can see right well that job requires this and this and this you're like i actually even though i've been doing this job that i don't really like i'm actually really like proficient in skill a B and C, I need to sort of address my competency and sort of learn a lot, but I'm actually really persistent in, in skill A. And I really like that. That's going to be a good strength of mine straight away when I go in. So like even like apart from deciding what thing like is the right thing to pick, starting on like what is the attributes and skills of that job look like at the day of that, it's also a really useful exercise when you're trying to address your gaps in knowledge because you can look and you're like, you know what? No, I've been doing this. Like someone starting any business, someone that is been running like a business that is primarily through social media like coaching it's like when you go in to maybe start in a different business you don't lose all of your understanding of how social media works or your comfort posting uh, on videos or any of that experience you still you take that with you into your next thing and there's a lot of things that most people will take it's it's about 
like minimizing the risk, but realize there's still fucking risks. Like there's going to be risks with this and there's, it might blow up in your face. Like there's like, I had this conversation with somebody else that about like stopping GA were like, the, like think of stopping GA in the sort of middle of the season. And it's like, right, what things would stop you doing that? And you're like, well, miss out and stuff. Don't get the experiences of the team. It's like, what experiences? It'll like the big wins. And like, what if we win a championship? this year so in terms of like the feelings that and the risks associated with stepping away i'm currently experiencing quite a lot of them as my as my team has just got to the championship final in a really really dramatic semi-final against the support alone the same opponents that they played last year in extra time again this year and they've got to another championship final and as intensely happy and as bold and like shouting jumping around my apartment here in dubai I was almost immediately filled with a, oh my God, have I made the right decision? Like, have I made the right decision? Like, stepping away. And I, when I actually sat down and journaled on it, because that's normally what I do when I have a problem I'm struggling with, I was like, do you know what? As much as there are elements of I would love that, I would have absolutely loved that. I know for a fact that's experience I would have loved. I wouldn't have exchanged it for the decision that I've made. Knowing everything that I know now with hindsight, I still wouldn't have made a different decision. I still would have made the decision to retire uh, and to move away. So uh, that's one of those things that as an element of retiring, like you might think that if I moved jobs, maybe I would have been up for a promotion and somebody that was maybe a, a rung below you got the job that you've been waiting on for ages and they got it three months after you left and you're like, shit, that could have been me. And like, that be use the, use the information at your disposal to make the best decision possible available to you. And if you if you feel like you made the wrong decision down the line, or if you feel like you're getting worried about it, or something happens that maybe makes you doubt it, it's like look back at everything and it's like, would you change where you are now for where where you potentially could have been? And I, I rarely think that the answer is yes for that. Yeah, like the the way I get people to do it is um, in those moments of clarity, write down a couple of true statements. You know, write down a couple of true statements. So let's even say an example might be. Um, someone separating in a relationship and it was their choice to, to to separate and then they might be talking to me going but I really want to text them and maybe I've made the wrong decision and maybe I want to get back together again so in a time of clarity we write down a true statement which could be look this isn't the type of relationship for, for me this isn't the type of partner that, that that I want to spend my my life with or whatever you know just a couple of true statements what tends to happen is that in instances like yours there with with Ahgel in the championship semi-final one of your your very basic drives is going to pop in. It's going to kick in, and yours there is a troop drive. You know, it's a drive to be part of the troop and be part of the the, the group. We all have that drive, but when that sort of troop drive kicks in, it twists the true statement. But if you've already that true statement written down, so you might let's say someone there split up with partner, then suddenly to see partner on Instagram, nice pictures, doing something with other people. It's going to be a drive that kicks in, not not a a logical drive, but an irrational sort of drive of need to get that person back in my life, need to reproduce, need to to keep the the species going. Yeah. But then what you do is you just go back to that true statement again. That's not the person for me. That's not the future that I want to have. That's not the and it'll just it'll subdue the troop drive. The troop drive will always come back. You can't kill it. It will always be there, and it's important in certain aspects or certain elements, but. It's it's understanding ah yeah that's that's what this is because look I'm I'm in Dubai right now I'm living the type of lifestyle that that, that I want to live this is the decision that I made when everything was clear okay so they're there they're doing that God I really want to be back there is this the right decision is it not the right decision oh where's my true statement oh yeah this is the right decision now it doesn't not to say that it makes it it makes the whole thing disappear because there still be rem, remnants of it you know there's still of going course to yeah little parts of it. But it's to allow you to continue making the right decisions because suddenly you could just turn around. And I know so many people that moved abroad and then from multiple little things and even homesickness is a troop drive. They wanted to move there for the right reasons, but homesickness is a troop drive. So therefore, they just turn around and go, oh, I'm moving back. So I'm going to Australia. I've been there for three weeks. Things start to get tough, move back. And then five years later, they say to me, oh, was it my biggest regrets moving back. It's because you didn't have a true statement that allowed you when when uh one of those sort of 
basic drives kicks in and tries to warp your reality. You didn't have a true statement to, to fall back on to, to, to know that I've, I've made the best decision here. There's, there's a lot to that. And I think it, that's, that's another, another thing that kind of cements how important some formal, some form of journaling or getting your thoughts out on the paper, because you're, thoughts moment to moment are so subject to your environment what's going on around you what maybe circumstances happen just in that moment so you're like you you're not your thoughts like what at and in times of intense emotion or like an intense experience you're not your thoughts in that moment you're just you're having a, an emotional reaction your troop drive as you say whereas if you in a moment like in your time of clarity have been be able to sit down and get your 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 thoughts clear out on the page and kind of come to some relative conclusion about the decision. When you have that, when you have that true statement, and when you've you've have that, and you know like right, right, when I was feeling fine, and when I like had I was able to think clearly, and when I wasn't, I was emotionally neutral as possible. This is what I decided. And even at your point of like your most intense emotion, you can look at that and say, no, like I, I, that's still true. Like that that is still true. As much as there's pangs of I wish this, or like wouldn't it be great if I could have this? It's like, there's an element of any decision, like decide, it's like the decide literally day is the, for two, the root of two and side is to kill. And it's like, you're deciding, you're killing by, by choosing one thing, you're killing another option. You're killing another possibility by choosing something. And that's the thing I think a lot of people struggle with, with retiring, with anything. Like you mentioned relationship. It's one of the, probably the biggest thing that a lot of people get into a relationship and it's maybe not going they pr- like understand that they're probably not happy where they're at at the moment, but there's a, there's a fear. There's a sunk cost of, of not. And then maybe like, as you say as well, that they maybe they decide to actually break it off and, the, and they, they get away from it. And then they see the other person on a night out with somebody else and the thing and all logic goes out the window where they're like, they know for a fact that's not the person for them, but in that moment of intense emotion where they're reacting to that, that's where they, and, when you don't have that truth statement, that's where you can start to be like, well, no, maybe this is actually what I think. Because when I see them with someone else, like I was really, like I was really annoyed. I was really upset about it. And it's like, well, maybe that was just part of it. That you spent a long time with this person and you're used to having the idea of the NBA with you. You broke it off. And now you've seen them with someone else. It's like, that's a pretty jarring thing. Emotionally jarring. It's like, that doesn't mean you made the wrong decision. Yeah. Like it, it and it comes down to even, let's say the likes of, we go back to that idea of you leaving engineering and going into coaching. And just before you're about to make that step of going into coaching and you haven't written down the fact that this is where you want to go, something pops up and it threatens your financial security or it tra- threatens the the ability to for you to have a, a roof over your head. You know, those very basic things. It then makes you make a bad decision. Actually, I'm going to stick with this. So many people, like, and I've found it with myself sometimes where I'm very close to taking on work that I actually don't want to don't want to do. You know, I, I now know specifically, now certain times it will change, but I don't really want to work with kids anymore. Like I did, I was a teacher, I, I did all that and I, I enjoy doing it, but it's not where I want to sort of um, invest my energy. But I've had so many occasions recently were in the last couple of years where people have said like I want you to go into schools and I want you to do this and I want and I might look and you might have a, a financially difficult month and then suddenly say, I'm going to say yes to that yeah but that's not because I want to do it it's because I've been hijacked by a security drive or a, an ego drive or a dominance drive or all all those basic drives the thing that hijacks you and makes you think emotionally and irrationally and not rationally and logically but I now have my security against all that. I have it written out who I want to work with yeah. and who I don't want to work with. And so when one of those things pop up, I just look and go, no, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, when you when you have those moments of clarity, when you are feeling sort of emotionally neutral, take yourself to a cafe, pen and paper, or like a laptop, open a Word document, and say like, what, what do I actually want? What things do I want to be doing? What things do I not want to be doing? Like, what am I willing to do in pursuit of this? What am I not willing to do? In pursuit of this and if you kind of set up the constraints and if you have those sort of those truth that's almost truth statements in terms of like you setting out your metrics of like this is kind of where i general direction i want to go in if something comes up or like it could be even with a partner 
where you and I've, I've had this conversation with people where there's a lot of people maybe they're like i kind of want a person that's maybe has like these kind of traits uh, like i want them to be curing uh, and i want them to have a sense of humor uh, and want like maybe acts odd acts other sort of uh, trait and then the go out with someone and maybe they are marginally more attractive than a normal person that they have went out with or anyone went out before and they get blinded by that and they're like no they're not really that funny like we don't really have the same sense of humor like but like jesus did you see her like did you like she's, she's lovely looking like and the lads think i'm great like i sort of I pulled one out of the bag here and punching and you're like right well remember the reasons remember the sort of things that you're kind of you just clarified in a moment of, of clarity what you kind of might want to be after and you're like that this isn't now you might be sort of i believe instead of true or having a, the troop drive this might be the horn drive uh, it's a different one <laughs> it's a different emotional one i think it's mainly males have this one but it might be then that you're going no listen you're being driven by the fact that like uh, like for a better word lust that you're like no this is just maybe a status thing that you want to be seen to be with someone more attractive than than this or maybe it might be this and it's like well you've decided that these are the things that you want in a partner and someone you're going to spend your life with and you're like this person doesn't have like nine out of ten of them or whatever whatever it is so that's sort of the other the other side of things that's that's your the horn drive you call it it's your <laughs> your ego drive and it's your reproductive drive and your reproductive drive is one of the strongest ones that you'll have and the amount of bad decisions that people have made because they, they've been hijacked by that it's, it's, it's <laughs> like again they are two drives that have just hijacked you and taken you away from what it is that you actually think is important i like you'd be so surprised and possibly the last thing I'll say, because I know we're running over time, but you'd be so surprised the amount of people that I've worked with who are giving way too much time to Tinder mm. and conversations on Tinder and things like that. And they're like, look, I spend, I come home from work and I'm on Tinder all day and I'm just talking to loads of people and this and that. And, and you're like, have you written down the type of person that you would like to meet? No, 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 no. And like, write down that type of person some people might have it in their profile or whatever you might match on certain values or something like that so that'll give you a good indication of whether that's something that you're going to swipe right or left or whatever so um do that first of all in the conversation find out if that person matches the things that are on your list if they don't excuse my french fuck them you know don't yeah. waste time on be decisive and be clear. Like, obviously, leave a little space for for change. Leave a little space for change. Some things might, like, you might, if you're putting down 10 things in the list and someone's got seven, they don't have the other three, you know what? Invest in those seven and see what those other three are like and get curious about it. But if you're going into something like that where there's choice, you can spend an awful lot of time in, in the slush pile when all you needed to do was actually have a clear-ish kind of indication of what it is that you want and the people that don't match it. Quite I, I can vouch for this. So our, our mutual friend, Aidan Forker, uh, and the only reason that I'm even saying this here is because that's that's pretty much what Aidan had decided. I think I'll have a conversation with Aidan after his wedding. I probably told this story in the podcast before. And I remember being... With Aidan, you did... Uh, yeah, so I had that. I had the conversation with Aiden after his wedding, saying like, like obviously a very romanticized uh, individual moment of wedding. It's all very, it's like it's a little bit, it's a wee bit more sort of overemphasized on the romance side. But the overwhelming thing that I got sensed was that the two of them were like very, very much in love and had like a really like a tight bond, close knit family, close knit unit, and the things that were being said and the speeches and the talk, talking about like individual. I was like, I did like didn't have that i was sort of coming to the end of a relationship at the time and it was a really it wasn't it wasn't a healthy one in any way shape or form uh, and i was kind of like ah oh, like kind of coming to terms with that and almost kind of breaking things off and around that stage and it was like no that that's not that's that's not the things that i'm experiencing and that's what i want but i'm not getting it now that relationship came to an end very soon after that uh, instance uh, i think that was pretty like a bit of a subconscious sort of instigator but 
following that five six months later was when I had the conversation with me and then he was like I was sort of saying oh yeah like dating sort of that's just kind of what it is like I'm not really in mad rush to, to be dating anybody but like I don't really I just don't like don't like the idea of like I don't know how, how do you decide he was like well who do you what do you want in someone like what traits do you want in someone what do you want to see and I had sat down right like some of the things I like many things me and things were like sense of humor and a family person like I, that genuinely those were two of the main things that, that actually like i only really said three or four i think uh and those were like two of the main ones it meant then when myself and sean started going out like she matched all of them but like the main ones is like she's a huge family person she gels like we both gel incredibly well with each other's family and get on it's outstandingly well with each other's family uh and then sense of humor it's like we spend most of our time taking the piss and laughing so those are things that i when i had already written down this list and so when we actually got down to like actually sort of seeing each other and stuff it was only after seeing each other for a while where i was like actually you like really like this person i stumbled across the journal entry where i'd write the list and went tech tech holy shit right yeah no okay right this is this is the the real deal here this is somebody that's that that's worth the sort of time and attention so i can kind of i can kind of vouch for that uh, in real terms i'm not saying that that's like uh, the love doctors will come back next week for for our next episode <laughs> it's been and we said this at the start we would start with one topic in mind or one word in mind and we would let this conversation go wherever it took us and it's it's took us on a, on a nice few little rabbit holes there it's took us to tinder it's took us to tinder we're both bubbling in, in band to talk about it now it's taken us an hour we finally got it i think i had it written down here secretly and i was covering it with my hand and i know that you have it on the other side as well yeah, when you when you were always going, not not the not that we ever do, but we'll we'll wrap it up there. Uh Gareth, have you any parting words uh for, for the listeners? Um not specifically with regards to any advice. Look, um I always say it every time I, I, I finish podcast with you, if if it tweaks any sort of interest of anyone on on anything, I know both of us are, are very receptive to people just getting in contact via Instagram or whatever that might be do it you know there's i i would do it often send people messages some people don't reply well you filtered out someone that's not going to give you a hand so fair enough but the people that do reply are always open and genuine and and you make good connections from that so if it sparked anything throw over a message yeah yeah that's that's probably that, that would be mine as well just to anything that's interesting anything you related to or any questions because like listen gareth gareth will be back on again uh haven't asked him actually but he'd, he'd be back on again he's the only person going on three times so i have to keep the momentum with him uh so if you have any questions if you want to reach out to either of us say uh, you know where to get us gareth fox underscore is that, is that yeah i think it is yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, gareth, at gareth fox underscore or at Collins case and drop us a message but thanks very much for listening uh, and we'll see you next week